Friends, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're um, continuing in our series. I know it's the New Year's, but uh, we're continuing in our series in 2 Corinthians that's entitled Grace for the Week. Um, This morning, our plan is to simply meditate on just one verse. Originally, I wanted to cover uh, verses 16 to 18, um, but in preparing, reflecting, praying through, um, I thought verse 16 was just so rich in itself uh, that I wanted to spend some time here meditating on it with you. Um, So this morning's sermon is entitled, Don't Lose Heart in Bodily Weakness. Uh, Now, that title probably relates to some of you a little bit more um, uh, readily than for others, but uh, as we turn our attention to God's Word, I trust that He will uh, speak to us and encourage all of us. So if you're able, I invite you to stand with me. Why stand? Standing is an act of worship. It shows reverence for God and His Word as we read and receive it now. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Hear now God's Word. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Please be seated. Join me in prayer once more. Father, we know that all of Scripture is God-breathed from the whole of the scriptures um, to an individual word. And so use even just this one verse this morning to speak to us, to bring encouragement uh, and life uh, to all the areas where we so desperately need it because, Lord, we do need to hear from you and we need to hear your voice clearly. Free us of distraction, Lord, from the things that would tempt our minds and hearts Uh, elsewhere, so that in hearing now your word preached, uh, we would be built up as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start this new year by talking about a topic uh, that's probably far more overlooked than it should be, Uh, and that's the hope the Bible gives to those living in the daily experience of finite and fragile bodies to those who live in the experience of bodily weakness. You know, our series for 2 Corinthians is entitled Grace for the Weak. And part of that weakness includes those who are physically weak. One of the most hopeful things about Christianity is that our God doesn't just speak to the spiritual problems of our lives, but he speaks to the everyday realities. And that includes the frightening and the terrifying and despairing realities of decaying health and deteriorating bodies. We need to understand to have a more robust vision of the gospel, that the gospel speaks to more than just our guilt before God and our offense against God. Passages like ours today remind us the gospel is good news for those who are physically weak, who are finding in themselves and in loved ones that their bodies and their health are failing them. The gospel is good news for those wrestling with chronic pain and dealing with injuries. The gospel is good news for those living under intense dietary restrictions and strict medical regimens. 
Dear friends, the gospel is good news for those whose calendars are filled up, not with social appointments, but doctor's appointments, scans, blood tests, specialists. The gospel is good news for those who are severely limited in their lives because of medical conditions, who live in the uncertainty of undiagnosed ailments that plague the body. You see, we live in a world where sin has not just corrupted the spiritual, but it's devastated the physical. Sin is so nasty, sin is so evil that it has separated. We are spiritually separated from God, our creator. Apart from his grace, we cannot be reconciled to him. But sin is also so awful and so evil that it's corrupted our bodies and all of creation is wasting away and crying out for redemption. You see, for anybody who has physically suffered, for anybody who lives in the reality of bodily limitations and weakness, for anybody who cares for somebody that is in and out of the hospital, the primary caretaker of those who are physically suffering, the question we ask is, what is God up to in this experience, whether it's our own or a loved one's? And the answer, according to Apostle Paul, is that God is up to far more than you realize. He begins in verse 16 with this sort of exhortation, these important words, so we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't grow weary. We don't grow discouraged. Don't become deflated. Don't be defeated. Well, why not, Paul? Why would anyone grow defeated and discouraged? You know, anyone who's ever been sick before from even something as a mild cold to something more severe, you experience this reality of being a psychosomatic being. Now that's a fancy word, but essentially what that means is we're embodied souls. We're not just the body. We're not just the soul. We're body and soul together. And so what affects the body often affects our souls. You may be able to tell that I'm recovering from a cold and some of you I know yesterday were celebrating the New Year's and the ball drop at midnight with champagne. And, and Eunice and I did it at 10 p.m. with uh, NyQuil, uh, 30 milliliters. <laughs> and you know, when you are physically suffering, you know that your soul tends to grow melancholic and somber. If you've ever been tired, just tired, physically drained and exhausted, you know it's hard to be joyful and patient. If you've ever had a toothache, you know, can ruin the day and make your mood so sour. You see, our bodies and our souls are intertwined. One affects the other. And so whenever you face the reality of the frailty and fragility of your own body and health, it's tempting to grow discouraged and depressed. How often when you suffer in those ways, do you actually lose sight of God and you doubt his goodness and you forget his promises? If this is any of you this morning, Apostle Paul says to you, do not lose heart. And yet the question remains, why not, Paul? Well, it's not because the gospel promise you, promises you a long life of good health. It's not because the gospel promises you that with enough faith will come promised healing from all your ailments. It's not because the gospel promises that if you give enough offering to Cornerstone in 2023, only blessings will come your way. That's not the reason. Paul gives us the reason, verse 16, so we don't lose heart. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul is saying that beyond what you see, there are unseen realities, a work God is up to that is beyond your perception. Well, Paul begins like this, so we'll start where he starts. He begins describing our present reality, saying our outer self is wasting away. Now, the outer self, he's not talking about uh, the outer man. He's not, gonna talk about, he's not talking about the uh, flesh and spirit struggle. What he's talking about is life lived under and in this present age. We are in the present age where there is sin and suffering, and therefore there is death and decay. We live in a world where we are prone to weakness and weariness. That's one of the first things, the first effects of the fall in the Garden of Eden was our physical corruption. Remember, just a few verses before, Paul called his own body a jar of clay. He was saying it was weak, it was limited, it was fragile, prone to breaking chip. He said that he carries around in his body the death of Christ. Have you ever experienced that in your earthly body? The fact that we carry it around a decay, a deterioration. You see, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? From the moment you're born, you are growing daily, stronger, bigger, healthier. Your body is developing. You see a newborn infant and you check on them every month for the first several years and they are growing in leaps and bounds. But we all know that they will reach an age where there's a peak. And as soon as you cross over that peak, it's just physical decline on the other side. And some of you are going, oh no, what's that day like? And some of you are going, oh yeah, I'm in those days now. Now, what's the difference, of course, between those who are younger and those who are older? It's not so much what you can do and what you can't do. You know, I hear so many people say, you know, when I was younger, I could do this. No, you still can. You go to a retreat, you can still eat and late at night. You can still eat spicy food. You can still play basketball without stretching. You can still do all those things. There's not ability to what you can or cannot do. We all know the real issue is how long it'll take you to recuperate afterwards. One day, one week, one month. We live in a sin-cursed world where because of the way sin has affected all of creation, naturally, organically, as we get older and older, we sense our outer self wasting away. And that is the experience of many of you here in this room. Have you ever played the uh, board game Operation? It's an old game, but you know, if you know it, the, the board is cut out like a human body and you remo remove pieces from it with a little tweezer. And if you touch the edge, it, it buzzes and beeps and, and whatnot. And I think for a lot of us, this is a really apt analogy of our bodies. You know, we wake up every morning and we don't know what part of our body is gonna buzz and ache and hurt. You know, will it be your, your, your back because you bent down too quick the day before? Will it be your shoulders because you reached up too high to grab something? The point is this, that the older you get, you're confronted with the daily realities that you have limitations. And if this isn't you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, merely look around at your loved ones. You know, during this holiday season, when you go see family and friends, one of the, the conversations that often come up around the dinner table is, it's just being made more alert to the people in your life, loved ones who are experiencing in very real time, they're bodies of weakness. Maybe you see it in your own parents. And you see that that youthful spring in their step is no longer there. 
or you go visit your, your grandmother in the, in the nursing home and she's a, just a little slower than she was before. There's a little more pain in her joints. It's a frightening thing to experience the reality of bodily weakness in this world. How do you keep from losing heart? When we must hope in the right things. Now, what are those things? Well, on the one hand, there are good things to hope in. We praise God for all the areas of scientific research and all of the advancements in medicine and developments in surgical procedures. We praise God for that. That's his common grace to us. But we need to recognize its limits because in the end, science and engineering, they're not the gospel. They're simply attempts to delay the inevitable. Some of you may know LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players um, to ever play the game. He turned 38 years old two days ago. Now, that's not very old, but that means he's been playing in the NBA longer, more than half of his life. He's been playing in the NBA for two decades because he entered the NBA right after he graduated high school. And he is still, to this day, one of the most dominant players in the league. And people are rightly fascinated with him. I mean, his athleticism, his abilities are mind-boggling. And here's the thing. Natural athleticism is a big part of how good he is. But you know what the other part is? how he's able to play this long. Do you know he spends $1.5 million on his body every year? He hires trainers, physical therapists, nutritionists, personal chefs, researchers who study his body to make sure he's performing at peak optimal levels. And yet all that energy, all that attention, all of that money put into his body is only delaying the inevitable. His outer self is wasting away. He is growing slower. He cannot jump as high. He is not as fast. His stamina is less. His muscles take longer to recover. One day he will retire because he won't be able to keep up. All of us in one way or another, every single one of us, even the healthiest and the youngest, the strongest and most resilient among us, will experience the outer self wasting away. That's the natural progression of life in a sin-cursed world. And yet we know that sin is not only predictable, sin is surprising, sin does whatever it wants sometimes. So it's not always predictable. My grandfather, who this year is turning 99 years old, is in perfect health. A few years ago, they, I don't know if they should have done this, but they uh, re-restored his license because his eyesight is fine, his reflexes are fine. So if you're ever in Linwood, Washington, don't go driving on the streets. He's out there. But at that age, he is fine. And yet, because of the surprising nature of sin, we know that there are those who are born with conditions that are unexplainable, that affect these children their whole lives. That's the reality of life in a sin-cursed world. People are diagnosed with rare diseases, diseases that don't even have names yet, that haven't been researched and haven't been studied. People who are otherwise seemingly healthy in every way experience just overnight symptoms as disease enters their body and just begins to wreak havoc. That's life in this world. Sin does not follow some standardized graph in how it affects the physical. Oh boy, how much... What would we like to know 
what's coming our way, when it's coming, how severe. But we don't and we can't. So living life in the reality that the outer self is face, uh, wasting away is, is maddening and it's frustrating and it's scary and it's anxiety producing. And yet none of it, friends, is outside of God's sovereign control. God is up to something. The first thing we learn is we must not hope in the things that are seen. You cannot hope in your youthfulness, in your endurance, in your health, in your fitness, in your wellness. That is an idol of the age. That's why when we receive a surprising diagnosis, it is so overwhelming and soul-crushing. It is an idol, which is why when we're limited and certain independences that we once had are taken away from us, we despair and are so devastated. When you hope in the things seen, you will lose heart. So you must hope in that which is unseen. And the unseen is mentioned here in verse 16 when Paul then goes on to say, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our outer self belongs to this present age. It's subject to the corruptions of this age, but our inner self is claimed by God. It belongs to the age to come. Our inner self belongs to the Lord and he's at work by his spirit day by day. We confess in our confession of faith, the Heidelberg Catechism question one, and the answer begins like this, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. We are not our own. We belong not just in spirit, not just in soul, but in body to our Lord. He's purchased us. He's made us his own. He's bought us by the sacrifice of his son and our savior and belonging to God. He is doing a work in us from the inside out. That's his priority, not from the outside in as we would wish, but from the inside out, which means Christians live in a dual reality. Where on the outside, we are jars of clay, vessels of weakness, earthen vessels. It's our daily experience. We are outwardly and physically wasting away simultaneously, inwardly and spiritually, we're being renewed, transformed, empowered, strengthened, made more and more beautiful from the inside out. That's the tension of the Christian life. While sin and sickness are doing demolition on the outside, wreaking havoc on the body, the spirit is doing his work of renovation on the inside. That's our hope. While we break down outwardly, the Spirit of God is building us up inwardly. The Spirit, through what we suffer, renews us, refines our character, and makes us more like Jesus. He renews our desires, our dreams, our ambitions, our ethics, our obedience, our motivations, because God is so concerned, most concerned with renewing you from the inside, then out. You know, so many times though, we miss out on that opportunity because we focus so much on the outer self wasting away that it becomes occasions to host a pity party. Focusing only on what you're missing out on, what you can't do, who you can't be with, where you can't go. A lot of people turn their physical sufferings into excuses to be entirely selfish and consumed with only your own needs. 
be renewed as you refuse to, to envy others and become full of complaint and grumbling. You've refused to doubt the goodness of God, become jaded and bitter at everything and all the joys other people are suffering or other people are celebrating. Instead, you're being renewed as physical suffering becomes an opportunity to draw near to God. To commune with him in prayer. To fellowship with him in his word. To learn to abound in thanksgiving for all the blessings you have. Not for all the blessings that you feel like he's withheld. You're renewed as your selfishness is turned inside out, that even in your weakness, you care for others, love others, serve others, pray for others. You're renewed as your body is weak and the hope in you is growing stronger as you're looking to the horizon and you set your mind on heavenly things and there's an intense growing desire to see God face to face. You begin to strain forward toward the horizon because you see Christ Jesus, standing there with resurrection hope and eternal life that he's offering you. See, friends, as the outer self is wasting away, the inner self is being renewed as you preach the gospel to yourself. Christ Jesus, our Lord, subjected himself to finitude and frailty. He took on bodily weakness just as you and I experience so that on the other side of his death, he would resurrect promising you that on the other side of this bodily weakness is an imperishable, immortal, glorious resurrection body. And he stands in heaven on the far side of the horizon, keeping it secure for you. Now, until we get there, until we get there, we journey through this life in bodies of weakness, that are prone to ailments and illnesses, bodies that have undergone surgeries and screenings, bodies enduring colds, experiencing cancer, undergoing transplants and transfusions. Until we get to that final hope, bodily weakness in all those forms from pulling your lower back to getting a root canal, your eyes worsening, eczema flaring up, allergies developing, migraine suffering, GI issues, discovering you have an autoimmune disease, becoming immunocompromised. As the body breaks down, you press on without losing hope. How? Because on the horizon, you see Christ Jesus himself standing in resurrection glory, offering you that imperishable, immortal, resurrection body. You see, until that day, your outer self and your inner self, they're out of sync. One is breaking down, one is being built up. But one day, when you get to the final horizon, the Lord will give you a glorious new body that matches the complete and finished work that he's doing in you. And until then, we press on in that tension. And those realities, as I close with, it reminds me of this image that I have in my head. If you've ever gotten a cut on your finger and you put a bandage on, you put a bandage on and you go throughout your day and at the end of the day, when you look at that bandage, it's dirty, it's worn, 
Its edges are all frayed. But what is going beyond inside of that bandage? Renewal, healing, restoration. Our lives are like bandages. By the end, when we get to that horizon line, we will be worn and falling apart and frayed. But God will have done a work in us, making us more and more like his son, renewing us from the inside out. And then he will give us the body that matches the work he's doing in us. So don't lose heart, dear friends, in bodily weakness, because it's going to soon give way to the glory of heaven waiting for you. Let's pray.